Morning. Uh, welcome to Renovation Church. Uh, we are diving back into the book of Luke uh, this morning. Uh, Luke is one of only four books in the Bible that is specifically about the life and teachings of Jesus. Now, I know that a ton of you are new since we started this book uh, back kind of in the late winter, the early parts of 2018. I know for a ton of you, uh, this is only your second week. You're maybe back for a week two of the three-week challenge. Uh, we are pumped that you're here. Uh, in fact, we just want to, I just want to clap and just welcome you that you're, that you're back uh, second week. Um, we, we love it. Uh, we're just excited that you're here. And because so many of you are new, even in the last uh, week or two, but even really in the last uh, six months, uh, what I want to do is I'm going to just show you just a three-minute recap video of where we've gone so far in the first six chapters of Luke. Uh, that way we can all kind of be on the same page as we continue in this uh, incredible book of the Bible. So we'll take a look at this video, and then we'll get uh, back into it. All right. The Gospel according to Luke began by telling us about the births of John the Baptist and Jesus of Nazareth. And in the next section of the Gospel, Luke zooms forward in time. So John is now a prophet, and he's leading a renewal movement down at the Jordan River. And all of these Israelites are coming to be baptized. The poor, the rich, tax collectors, even soldiers. Yeah, what's going on here? So all of these people are dedicating themselves to a new way of life. By getting dunked in a river? So long ago, Israel came to inherit this land by crossing through the Jordan River. And God gave them a responsibility. They were called to serve him alone, to love their neighbor, and pursue justice together. And we know from stories in the Old Testament that they've failed at this repeatedly. Right. So John's calling Israel to start over, to go back through the river and come out rededicated to their God, ready for the new thing that God's about to do. And so it's within this renewal movement that Jesus first appeared. Jesus is baptized by John, and the sky opens up, and a voice from heaven says, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, God's words here are packed with echoes from the Hebrew scriptures. This first line is from Psalm 2, where God promised that a king would come who would rule in Jerusalem and confront evil among the nations. And then this next line is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and it refers to the Messiah who would become a servant and suffer and die on Israel's behalf. After this, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days with no food. I mean, that's roughing it. And in this story, Jesus is replaying Israel's 40-year journey through the wilderness, where they failed to trust their God, and so they rebelled. But Jesus succeeded by resisting temptation and trusting God. And so this story is marking Jesus as the one who's going to carry Israel's story forward. After the wilderness, Jesus comes back to the region of Galilee, to his hometown, Nazareth. He's in the synagogue, and he's invited to read from the scriptures. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Why to the poor? Well, in Hebrew culture, being poor wasn't just about money. It was more about low social status, so women and children and the sick, people on the margin. And surprisingly, this could include people who had money, like tax collectors. They were considered outsiders too, and so Jesus is here for them. Then Jesus continues reading. The Lord has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Freedom seems like a big deal for Jesus. Yes, Jesus was freeing people from their sicknesses, from their past, from their shame, and he was freeing them to become a part of God's new kingdom that Jesus said he was bringing into reality. 
After this, Jesus appoints 12 men from among all of his disciples as leaders to help him in his mission. And that number, 12, it's a very intentional symbol of the 12 tribes of Israel. But this is a ragtag bunch of guys. You've got a fisherman. You've got a former tax collector who worked for the Roman occupation. You have a former rebel who fought against the Roman occupation. There's no way these guys are going to get along. Yeah, Jesus intentionally brought together people who were outsiders and sworn enemies. But inside God's kingdom, They're called to reconcile and to live in unity. Following Jesus meant entering a new world order. And so Jesus went on to teach. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you because of me. Jesus even told his disciples to love their enemies, be strangely generous, even to people they don't like, to forgive and show mercy. This is a radical way of life. Okay, so that kind of brings us up through the first six chapters, and today we're at the very end of chapter six. Uh, If you want to follow along today, uh, there's a Bible under every chair. I'd love for you to just have the passage in front of you. Uh, We're going to be on page 837, or you can use the Renovation Church app. Uh, Just tap Bible and weekly verses. All the scripture will be in there as well. So all throughout chapter 6, Jesus has been giving this countercultural advice on how to live. And today, we're going to see what can happen in your life if you actually live that out. So this is page 837, uh, Luke chapter 6. So 6 is the big number, and then the small number uh, is 43. So we're going to start right at verse 43. Uh, Here's what uh, Jesus says. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Okay, so Jesus starts uh, this passage with an example um, from trees. Now, Often I think what people picture in their mind's eyes when they read this parable about trees is, is not correct. I think often in our minds we picture one tree looks super healthy, right? And it's got all these, uh, just full of beautiful fruit. And then we picture another tree that's almost withering, almost dead. But that's not what Jesus said. If you read in the passage, both trees are growing fruit. It's just that one tree has good fruit, one tree has bad fruit. In fact, some commentators even think that the bad fruit might even be referring to poisonous fruit. And so the difference between the two trees isn't actually all that obvious at first. And sometimes only time will tell which kind of fruit a tree is actually going to bear. And the house parable is essentially making the same point. So in ancient Palestine, where Jesus lived, uh, many people did just quickly throw up a house on the ground without a foundation. And you could do that as long as a major storm didn't come along. And so if you were walking down the streets 
of Nazareth or something, and you're looking at the houses, you couldn't just with your naked eye see, okay, that house has got a deep foundation underground, and that one doesn't. It's not so easy to tell just walking by. Okay, so why does this matter? It matters that when we look at the passage that we understand the contrast Jesus is making. He's not contrasting good people and bad people. He's not contrasting people who follow him and people who don't want anything to do with him. No, he's contrasting people who follow him and do what he says versus people who claim to follow him and don't actually do what he says. This is right in verse 46. Let's just pull up verse 46. You can look at it if it's still in front of you. He says, why do you call me Lord? A Lord means like, you're my master. I'll do what you say, right? That's master. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, you might think that it's actually pretty easy to tell the difference between these two camps, people who follow Jesus and do what he says, and people who say they follow him but don't actually do what he says. But often you can't actually tell the difference until the fruit comes in. It's the result of their actions, and sometimes that takes years. Or another way you can tell it quickly is if a storm comes in someone's life. Uh, Let me say this too. I'm not sure that Jesus is out to just make a dichotomy here. I don't think he's necessarily saying that there's one camp of people that always follows him and always obeys him, and there's another camp of people that they, they claim to follow him, but they're always pretenders, and they never obey. I think a lot of it, if you're like me, I think a lot of us just kind of float in between those two camps throughout our lives. See, the temptation, though, I think for us as Christians, and a lot of us, we just fall into these ruts, and maybe you've just been there lately. Right? You fall into this rut where, honestly, you're just going through the motions of Christianity in the last month of your life. Maybe the last year for some of you. It's like you're calling him Lord when you pray, but you've just, for whatever reason, right, you've fallen out of the work of doing the just deep work of growing deep in your faith. And the temptation for us is just kind of throw up a quick spiritual house, though, so we at least still look spiritual, Whenever I read this uh, story, uh, this passage in the Bible, I can't help but think of uh, one of my kids' favorite stories, uh, which is the three little pigs. Anybody else think of that when they read this? Uh, We literally just acted out of this story uh, yesterday. I was the wolf. uh, And yes, I said we acted out. Don't judge me. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, if you're not familiar with the three little pigs, uh, welcome uh, to earth. Uh, (laughs) Who's not familiar with it? I don't know. Maybe you're not. So the three little pigs, they leave their mother's house, right? And they're all going to go out and build their own house. And the last pig wants to actually build a house that's going to stand, right? And so he goes out and he builds a house out of Briggs. Uh, not Briggs. Uh, uh, welcome to Briggs, who's here for service. <laughs> Bricks. Um, and so, the, the, but the first pig and the second pig, right, they just want to build a house, right? Just do it to do it. And the first pig finds the first materials that he can, and he gets some straw from a farmer, and he just throws up a straw house, which is no match for the wolf, right? I always think, like, does this wolf run marathons? Like, who has lungs like this, right? But he does, right? And this is the same sort of temptation we're talking about in our lives as Christians. The temptation is to not take the time to really build something of your faith, to really dig down deep. The temptation is to just kind of go through the motions, make sure you have some sort of spiritual house up, right, and show people you're doing okay. And you can totally do this as a Christian. Right, you can come to church, 
you can get involved in church, right? You can take a class at church. You can make friends at church. You can throw up a Bible verse on Instagram once a month, right? You can do all of that, but not actually dig deep into your faith. I always think this is like the people who need to show up at the gym uh, 12 months or 12 times a month, right? And then their health insurance pays for their gym membership. You know, people like this, maybe you're one of them. You ever seen some of these people? I, I've seen this before, where it's like the end of the month and they haven't caught, quite got to 12 times yet and they gotta get to 12 if it's gonna get reimbursed but they don't have time to work out and they kind of sneak into the gym, you know, when the workers get away from the desk and they, pop up, and they hit their little swiper card, right? And then, <laughs> just walk right back out, right? And there are plenty of Christians who get in a phase, right, where you're just walking in here, wherever, house guy, it doesn't matter, and you're just, boop, boop, and you're walking back out. Now, you kept the spiritual house up, right? It might be made of straw, but you kept it up, like the facade is up. And here's what gets, I think, even scarier, is... If you've been around the church for a while, you could even speak the lingo, right? You can maybe even debate someone on a theological topic. But if you're not putting in the work to grow in your relationship with Christ, often your faith is floundering, even though it looks like it's okay. And most people aren't going to be able to tell. You you can make your spiritual life look decent above ground, right, where people are, are watching. And yet on the inside... For you spiritually, that might not be the truth. People might be looking at you and saying, oh, she's so spiritual. I always see her volunteering out there at church, right? She's always drinking coffee out of mugs with Bible verses on it, right? I always see him. He's just, when we're in house groups, whatever, he always has such debate, brilliant things to say about God or theology. You, You can present a spiritual house to people above ground, but eventually, over time, what the scripture is telling us is the fruit of what's really underneath is going to reveal what's actually happening in your heart. Now, if we look at these two passages together this morning, I think there's something really fascinating here, and this is why I wanted to put these two parables together. Both the tree parable and the house parable have this in common. And it's this. They both need the right thing to happen underground for good things to happen above ground. So think about this. Let's start with the trees. A a few years ago, uh, we did uh, a a message on one of the different fruit passages of the Bible. And one of our phrases for that message was, you need to take root in order to bear fruit. So in other words, a tree, it can't establish Uh, deep and strong roots, if it doesn't establish deep and strong roots underground, right, it never gets the water and nutrients it needs to actually grow into a strong, beautiful tree and, and produce fruit. It's the same with the house, right? If the right thing isn't happening underground, if you're not building the foundation eventually above ground, things are gonna go haywire. They're not gonna work. And so this is what I'm gonna call the underground principle, let me just throw that up for you, and, and I encourage you to write this down, to take notes. You know, one of the things you can do is you can actually take notes in our app. If you go to the message for today, you can tap take a note. And what's really cool about this is if, if God's given you some ideas or, or you, you just want to write down the principles, you can do that. And then you can go to house groups later in the week 
and just tap on the week's message and all your notes are right there with you. And I know you take your phone with you everywhere, literally everywhere. So you, you, you can have it there or you can take notes on the, on the bulletin as well. This is the underground principle, I think, from the scriptures today. If you want to see results above ground, you want to see a difference in your faith, you've got to do the work underground. And what that means is you're putting work into your faith really when no one's watching. Right? Because that's what digging a foundation and under, under the ground with the roots, that's, that's stuff when no one's watching. And here's the beauty of what I think we see in Luke 6. God makes you today not just one but two promises out of Luke 6. If you develop your relationship with him underground when no one's watching, you will, and here are the two promises of Luke 6. He tells you, you will bear fruit and you'll stand firm. Those are above ground things that are going to impact your life. So Jesus is saying, if you live out this principle, you'll bear fruit. Now, fruit in the Bible is, is usually metaphoric for uh, character changes in your life. Uh, Galatians 5 is a good example of this. It talks about fruit like you'll have more joy. Uh, you'll have more patience. I could use that, right? you have more self-control. you have more peace. That if you're taking root underground, you're working on your faith when no one's working, looking, one of the promises is that you'll bear fruit in your life. And the other promise is that you can stand firm, that you can weather any type of storm that's going to come in your life. And you do that by living out the underground principle. See, anyone can act like they have faith in front of other people, right? You can, you, you can put on any facade that you want, but if you really want to change your life, you've got to do the work underground. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean to do underground work, to take root, to build a foundation? Let's just get really practical. I would say that underground work, really, according to what we see in Luke 6, is working on two things. And let me give you the two things that you can work on. Really, and this is the kind of stuff, again, when no one's looking. Uh, here's the first one. You work on your relationship with God. And then the second one is you grow in obedience to him. So let's just start with the first one. We bear fruit. The character actually changes in your life. You see the changes you want when you're in a real relationship with God, which you can have. We see this, Jesus says this elsewhere. This is John chapter 15. Look at what he says. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, that's us, can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. That's Jesus. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So you remain in Jesus, you grow fruit by being closely connected to him in a relationship. You do things like getting up early, maybe before anyone else in your house. And you go to your kitchen table and you get out your coffee or whatever you do in the morning, uh, your Mountain Dew, that's a respectable, and you, and you start just talking to God. Right, maybe you stay up late and you're just reading his words in the Bible or you do it over lunch. Right? When you drive in the car, you sing to him, you talk to him. You have, what, what, am I, what am I describing? I'm describing a relationship with God. By the way, is that you? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you just had a really good talk with Jesus?
if you don't know how to answer that question, it's possible that you're not doing enough of the underground work that the Bible is talking about. Now, if you're just getting started in your faith, maybe you're like, I literally, I, uh, uh, David, I stood up last week to follow Jesus. All right, that's fine. Then this, is the, this is the path then. This is how you start. Remember the underground principle. If you want to see results above ground in your faith, you've got to first do the work underground. And so if it's been a while, right, since you've had a good talk with Jesus, get your Christian faith focused back on the relationship again. Right, that's what you said. When you, when you made a commitment, whether you were five years old or 10 or 15 or 45, when you first said, God, I believe. I want to follow you. I love you. I want to be in a relationship with you. That's what you said. It was relational, right? You didn't say, well, I just kind of want to show up at church and learn the lingo and hang out with people. It was about a relationship. If you need to get back in the Bible, maybe you just haven't read the Bible for years, right? Maybe it's been a long time or a couple months, then get back in the Word of God. It's the most powerful thing you can read. If you're new here and you don't have a Bible, you can take the Bible under your chair today. That's our, our gift to you. You can read the Bible on our church app. Uh, you can, if you're not sure where to start in the Bible, uh, pick up a Bible reading plan out in the hallway. We'd love to get you resourced uh, in that. If you've picked up one of those up before, uh, one of the apps I encourage you to download is an app called YouVersion. Uh, if you've never downloaded that app, it has thousands of Bible reading plans uh, you can start with. Make a plan for how you're going to start doing some of this relational underground work again. See, okay, think about this. The teaching of the Bible, of the New Testament in particular, is not that we are to change ourselves from the outside in. Right? So the Christian doesn't say, oh, man, I just need more self-control. I keep yelling at my kids. I just, I can't stop doing this. And so I'm just going to work on self-control and I'm going to work on being more patient and I'm going to get better at being nice. That's not Christianity. That's, that's religion. The fruit, that's the character, that's the change in your life. The fruit does not give life to the tree. It's the opposite, right? The tree gives life to the fruit. And so if you read through Jesus' teachings in the New Testament, and his teachings are that God wants to change you from the inside out. In fact, he wants to change you into a new tree all the way down to the roots. And he does that when you live out the underground principle. When you just stop going, 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 and you stop and you sit at his feet and you just talk to him and you let him in your life, then the Holy Spirit starts coming in your life and is changing you down from your toes, through your body, through your life, because you're doing the underground work and he's changing you from the inside out. But these underground parables that Jesus speaks to, they allude not only to us doing underground work by working out the relationship, but secondly, we said, by us working out our obedience to him. Now look at what Jesus says in verse 47. We don't like to talk about obedience anymore in the church, but this is what he says in the Bible, right? Look at verse 47. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, now it's not just about hearing, because what does he say? He says, and puts them into practice. You can learn all you want, but if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't matter. I will show you what they are like. And then he tells the parable of the foundation. If you want the promise of standing firm when any storm comes in your life, then you have to trust him. Right? You have to obey him, uh, even when it's hard. Okay, this is what a relationship is like when you call someone your Lord. 
This is what Jesus says uh, in the Gospel of John. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's why I said in our passage, why, why, why in the world would you call me Lord, Master, and then not do what I say? Uh, think of it this way. Uh, Francis Chan uh, often to- tells a story about his uh, daughter when he hears people talking about how they're sort of presenting themselves as spiritual, but they're not actually living it out in their lives. He says, okay, what if I, what if I told my daughter... Go clean your room. It's a mess, right? You just, honey, please go clean your room. Like, right now. What if my daughter goes upstairs, and she comes back to me, and she says, Dad, you are going to be so proud. I memorized what you said. Check this out. Go clean your room. No, come on, right? Well, what if she comes back down, and she says, Dad, Oh, this is going to blow your mind. You, I'm by far your favorite daughter. I can say, go clean your room in Greek. <laughs> hey, no. What, what, okay, what if she comes back down and says, Dad, oh, this, you're never going to believe just how industrious I am. And uh, wow. My friends and I have decided that we are going to gather together every week and we are going to study what it would be like if I clean my room. He says, no, if you love me, if I'm truly your father, then trust me and obey me and walk it out, right? Actually walk it out. You see, digging underground, digging a foundation to your life, it's done not only by strengthening your relationship with God, but by working and I would say developing your obedience muscle. Let me explain another way. Uh, I was in Haiti about 13 months uh, after the devastating earthquake of uh, 2010. I I took some pictures with my phone when I was there. I'll show you uh, what some of the damage looked like. This was even 13 months uh, after the uh, 2010 earthquake. Uh, That earthquake uh, took the lives of 150,000 people. Now, I don't know if you remember this happening, but uh, just, just a few months after the earthquake uh, devastated Port-au-Prince in Haiti, an earthquake of an even stronger magnitude hit Chile. And the death toll in Chile, it wasn't 150,000 people. The death toll in Chile was only 525 people. 525! Now, okay, location of where it hit matters, right? And that was a factor, but they were both in uh, population centers. The main difference in the death toll was building codes. So in Chile, there exists a culture that has a strong adherence to building codes uh, and preparing for earthquakes. And so every structure, even though it took more work, it took more effort, it took more money, every structure was built to code to survive a, a tragedy. But in Haiti, honestly, most of the buildings were just quickly thrown together and they weren't following code at all. And this is what Jesus is telling you in Luke 6. If you never do any underground work, right? if you've just kind of been hanging out here, you're just going through the motions, and thus, you don't really trust and obey him when it's hard. I mean, like, when it becomes unfashionable in the culture to still obey God, or if he's calling you to do something that might raise some eyebrows at work, or if he's calling you to stop maybe dating a particular person. Anytime he's calling you to do, just picture anything that's difficult. 
if you haven't done the underground work of building your obedience muscle, your faith isn't going to last through that storm. It's not going to last through the storm of temptation. It won't last through the storm of persecution. And it certainly is not going to last through the storm of trial and tragedy. I'll tell you this. A downpour of rain always reveals if we've just colored Jesus onto our lives with washable chalk or if he's really the foundation in which we've based our lives in. A storm always reveals that. I can't tell you how many times I've read an article about a, a famous athlete or any athlete who got caught doing something terrible, right? They got caught doing drugs uh, they were driving 130 miles an hour on the freeway in their Honda Odyssey. Uh, I'm just kidding, their Lamborghini. Uh, <laughs> right, and <laughs> what if that really, that would be incredible if that happened. Uh, that's probably not possible. And without fail, when the athlete releases a press release, always, always they say the same thing. It is verbatim. I'm telling you, you're going to notice this every time now. They say this. They say, that's just not who I really am. That's just not who I really am. No, that's exactly who you are. I I don't know why our culture misunderstands that. It's when we're under pressure and your life gets squeezed that the real you actually comes out. When life is good, you can fake just about anything. Okay, this is why Jesus says in verse 45 of our passage, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks, this is the pressure coming on, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay, but here's the good news. You can build a strong foundation in your life so that when the storm comes, what it will reveal is a woman of faith, is a man of God. Do you want that? Anybody want that? You, and here's how you build that. You build it underground by digging little by little by little. Okay, so each time that you, for example, each time that you trust and you obey God in the little things. Okay, so let's say God puts on your heart that you just need to say you're sorry uh, to a coworker or maybe a family member, and maybe it was like the tiniest of things, but he's putting on your heart, you know, I want you to tell them that you're sorry. And you do, and you obey, that's like digging the foundation of trust and obedience a little deeper, right? Or you read in, in his word, and he gives you an idea to do something, or maybe he even convicts you of something. You go, oh man, I gotta stop doing that. That's, that's hurting me, that's hurting his heart. And you obey, and you do it. That's digging a little deeper. Every time you stop and talk to him, God, this is what's going on in my heart. And you, you're in relationship. You're just digging a little deeper underground. It just, this is the principle. The deeper that you've dug your foundation underground, then the easier it is for you to stand and even flourish, no matter what comes your way, above ground. And that matters because someday, each and every one of us, if you haven't already, is going to face a serious storm. And if you haven't dug this foundation, if you haven't been doing underground work on your relationship and obedience, well, then how are we going to keep following him when actually the trial and tests come? Uh, I recently, uh, through a friend, 
uh, came across the story of uh, Scott and Johanna Watkins, who are a local Christian couple in Minnesota, actually. Uh, Here's what they looked like when they got married uh, just a few years ago, uh, Scott and Johanna. Uh, After being married uh, just a short time, uh, Johanna became uh, very sick. Uh, At first, it it looked like she was just diagnosed with a a few allergies, but eventually uh, she was diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome which is basically like your immune system going absolutely haywire. And so as a result of that, Johanna's body is allergic to basically everything. Uh, She became allergic to uh, chemicals. She's allergic to basically every food that you can think of. In fact, there's only two meals that she can eat, and she just rotates every other day. And unfortunately, eventually she became allergic to scents, even allergic to the scent of her own husband over time. So they live in Minneapolis, and she has to stay in her own part of the house, isolated from the rest of the world, while her husband cares for her without ever actually coming into contact with her. There's a lot of uh, powerful stories out there. Uh, there are just longer videos on them, on, on the uh, thing we call the World Wide Web. We'll share some of that with you on our, our social media pages, even this week, so you can just see this powerful story. But what's most powerful is these two Christian people, somehow in the midst of this, their faith is growing. Because I look at that, and sometimes I look at my life, and I think, Lord, don't bring that into my life, because I'm not going to be growing, right? I don't know if you, you, maybe you look at your life, like, I would so grow in that. I go, I don't know, right? (laughs) It's growing. Both of them have written uh, a lot on this. Um, Scott writes about how through this he's learned to live palms up to God, to release control to him, to trust that God has a greater purpose in everything. Johanna, uh, she, she had an amazing article on the Gospel Coalition's website. She writes how she's no longer just looking at Jesus as a savior when she needs him, but that now he is her life. He's everything. She's, he is someone that she can rely on for absolutely everything, and he has been faithful. How do you do that? How do you build a life like that? How do you stand firm when a storm like that comes? How do you even bear fruit for other people to see? Right, because that's what they're doing when the storm comes. I will tell you, you don't do that by just going through the outward motions and throwing up a little spiritual house. Listen, the discipline of getting your feet in this door, right? That's important. That's a different topic, right? For a different day, that's important. But what actually sustains you, right? What digs the foundation deep underground is Jesus Christ. And your relationship with him. He The person of Jesus Christ can carry you through absolutely anything, even things that might just crush a person of the world. He can help you stand firm in the fiercest storm. He can help you even flower and bear fruit while the storm rages around you. That's who Jesus is. And so I ask you, what has your relationship with God been like lately? I didn't say, did you go to house groups this week? Notice I didn't say, did you volunteer this morning? I'm talking about how are you and Jesus? Are you talking? Are you setting time aside to just meet with him? Are you obeying and trusting him even 
when it's hard. If not, if you've fallen away, you've kind of just backed away and you're just beep, checking the boxes, come back to him today. Today. He knew this was going to happen in your life, right? He knew this, you would be here. Remember what we talked about last week? He loved you first. And he's saying to some of you this morning, just come home. Just come back. Let's start talking again. I love you. Would you just believe that this morning? He's just waiting for you to dig underground again. And if you dig underground, you will stand firm. And you will bear fruit above ground. That's a promise from Jesus himself. Let me pray. Lord, we just thank you for your promises. We thank you that when we wander, because we do, that you just welcome us back, that you want us back, God. I pray, God, that we would be a church that doesn't just put on a facade, but that we do underground work when no one's watching. And God, may we stand firm no matter what comes, and may we bear fruit for a watching world. We just love you so much, and we thank you that you would die on the cross for us in our place. May we give our lives back to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.